Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before God, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to unreachable heights to us and to break all evil and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, covetousness, ignorance, all of this. Let it depart from the tents of your holy nation and stand, Lord, in the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance. May the service be presented into your divine arms. Guide it with your uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated. Peace to you, beloved Church of God. The place of Holy Scripture that I would like to read that lays at the foundation of our calling is the book or the letter to the Ephesians chapter 4 verses 22 through 24 that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness of truth. This commanding commandment that was presented to us and unsealed for us in the series of sermons of our pastor, Apostle Arkady, in which are enabled three faithful commanding and foundational requirements. This is to set aside, to renew, and to clothe. Answering these fateful questions, to set aside, to renew, and to clothe, will determine whether we turn ourselves into vessels of mercy or vessels of wrath, or rather, will we perfect the salvation that is given to us in the format of a deposit, or will we waste it? A deposit meaning in a seed, because of which our names would forever be blotted out of the book of life. For quite some time now, we are receiving rich instruction about how to be clothed into the new man, studying different images, proverbs, parables, studying our inherited portion in the names of God. We are studying the depth of prayer of the breastplate of judgment, studying the names of the patriarchs, and one of the conditions that will give us the right to be clothed into the new man is to allow the Holy Spirit to place us in Christ. 
to keep us in Christ, as a result of which Christ receives or will receive the basis to present our interests in heaven, on earth, and in hell, as well as, simultaneously, through the Holy Spirit, through the knowledge of God, to give Christ the opportunity to dwell in us. And in this component, now we carry the full responsibility to represent His interests in heaven, on earth, and in hell. And for this, it will be necessary for us to turn to the name of God, Fortress. So we will turn, return, and remember, although right now we on Fridays are studying the name of God, Living Shield. I will read the place of scripture out of Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62. That was presented to us by a pastor. Now it happened, as they journeyed on the road, that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. We quite numerously now have listened to the explanation of this place of scripture, but as a rule, we understand with our hearts only that truth that oftentimes is repeated in our listening and in our proclamations of the word that we hear. And of course, after this, we are called to ponder, to understand that which we have uh, listened to. Therefore, uh, this is important. And despite the fact that we know very well by now, and we have heard numerous numerous occasions how to place ourselves in the fortress of God and how to accept Christ uh, in our fortress which we must build out in our heart we once again today will remember the signs of Christ in us and we in Christ so again for a better understanding we're going to remember this uh, separately as we had studied as well in the sermons, pastor had shown this to us differently. Although this is one action, Christ in us and we in Christ is one action. But first we will remember who we are in Christ. Before uh, we see these components together, pastor reminds us that it is necessary for us to not forget one important legality, that God can be our fortress under one condition, if our heart will be his fortress. And according to the words of Jesus, entering into the portion of the name of God fortress is possible when fulfilling three conditions. We had read them from Luke. Let us look, take a look at three conditions that were shown to us. First, our heart is called to be a fortress for Jesus where he can lay his head. And for this, it is necessary for our heart not to have holes for foxes and nests for birds. 
if in the heart there are these holes for foxes and nests for birds, this means that our heart does not have the fear of the Lord, as we had heard a fresh sermon recently that the fear of the Lord is, is not there in this kind of a heart. And we know what nests for birds are. This is when prophecies stand higher than the preached word of God. And this is when either prophecies or visions, dreams, when a person places these higher than the preached word that comes from the lips of the messenger of God. And of course, there will not be a place there anymore for Christ to be able to lay his head. It's necessary to destroy these holes and to cleanse one's heart. When we talk about how uh, someone has nests for birds, God also uh, does not have the ability to lay his head in this heart because a nest for a bird are the evil thoughts of a person. They are those strongholds that he builds with his own mind. As the prophet Jeremiah had said to Jerusalem, so to the people of Israel, he said, Wash the evil from your heart, O Jerusalem. How long will there be evil thoughts nesting in you? Usually this is when people do not agree with the word of God. They have their own thinking, they have their own um, own opinion, though their own mind they try to equal to measure with the divine revelations. They don't agree with the word of God. They always have their own opinion with regard to some kind of place of scripture. They interpret it on their own without anyone. And of course, these kind of people challenge God first and foremost. And their heart, as we know, is evil. It is not good. This is what scripture calls it. And this is how God views it. Therefore, these nests must be broken. These uh, boasting minds. And we have done this. We have inclined our head we have inclined our ear, our heart, and we have blamelessness in our heart. Second, for our heart to become a fortress for God, there was also another condition, there were three of them. We need to allow the dead to bury their dead. These are those parents who, being believers, rejected the truth offered by Him in the preached words of the messenger of God, and we refuse to pay the price to be a disciple of Jesus. We see that they didn't want to listen to the truth and they didn't want to be disciples. In other words, they didn't want to listen to the sound of the trumpet that had, that had rang. The Lord had opened to them the ancient path of goodness. The prophets had shown them. He placed a watchman over them. They said, we don't want to. We don't want to listen. We don't want to walk along this way. They had their own paths and they had their own minds. They had their own understanding, interpretations. And of course, the Lord then spoke judgment against these people. He said to them, listen to the, listen, O earth. We heard this not long ago. He said, I will bring a calamity upon this, upon these people, the fruit of their thoughts. This is a unique revelation that I saw differently also, that God is going to clothe these kind of people in the fruit of their thinking, that which they think about, that which they understood, how they understood, how they interpreted the word, how they distorted it. These distortions and their broken understanding 
And of course, scripture says, for the dead to bury their dead. Those people who were found in church, who represent the church of God on earth, I am right now uh, specifically referring to our church, given that our church specifically represents the, the kingdom of God and the embassy, our local church, and it is this door into heaven. If a person having been found in this church, in this living church, who all of a sudden, for whatever reason, decided to leave it, either sin uh, threw him out, or his disorderly conduct, or he wanted to move to another state, he didn't like saints, he grew bitter. There are many reasons. I am astonished. It's very difficult to find this kind of church. Scripture says, Jesus had said, Strive to enter through the narrow gates. The narrow gates is the church. Find this kind of a church. And then all of a sudden, having found this kind of a church, among thousands of churches, a person having been found in this kind of church, all of a sudden leaves it. This is so awful that we, having already understood this truth, but we have already understood this truth. Why? Because Scripture has carried out a decree. Apostle Paul has said, that for these kind of people, there is no sacrifice left for their sins, but uh, waiting for the judgment and the anger of the fire that is ready to devour them. They right now are waiting for a judgment, although they don't realize this and they don't know this. As we often hear, they don't know this because they will find out when they cross over there behind the limits beyond the limits of eternity then they will know why don't they know now because for these kind of people god had has placed a stumbling block and when god places a stumbling block this is very very scary it's there you have no one to turn to you they can't turn away person doesn't understand this doesn't recognize this and he perhaps uh, continues to practice religious works he goes to church preaches, sings, tries to cover those sins that he has masked, having this outward form of godliness. But there is a harvest that and judgment that comes, and Jesus says, allow the dead to bury their dead. These are the dead. Allow the dead to bury their dead, and you go and represent the kingdom of God, growing it, growing it in yourselves, the tree of life. Bridle yourselves, as we heard. Bridle yourselves with the truth of the Word of God in yourselves. This is the second condition that is very important. And the third conditions, according to the words of Christ, to enter into the fortress of our Heavenly Father when following Jesus, it is necessary not to look back or to turn our eyes and our attention to our nation, the house of our Father, and our corrupt desires, so that we are not like Lot's life. And, of course, I know that many of those sitting here, they have gained this dignity, the dignity of an orphan, widow, and stranger, because those who have died to their nation, to the house of their Father, and to their corrupt desires, they have the dignity, a high dignity. And the interesting thing is that this dignity, these three characteristics of a person, they are united by one word as we heard, death. So each of them have done, have died to something. The dignity 
of an orphan, we see who these are. These are those who died to the house of their father, the dignity of a stranger, a foreigner, those saints who have died to their nation in the face of their nation. The dignity of a widow are those that had died to all of their corrupt desires, to reigning sin, who once was the husband in their body. This is a very high calling. Uh, there were very few of these in Israel, few of these kind of people, and of course God acted very closely with those people and there were specific decrees cried out for these people. The significance of the law contained in the name of God fortress is one of the necessary disciplines called to participate in our coming to power over our calling that is called or that is expressed in the adoption of our body through the redemption of Christ. You see, when pastor speaks or says some kind of truth, he always clothed it in a discipline. Why? Because this is not just for us to hear it, and I have heard it, I have understood it, accepted it, all right, that's enough. A person doesn't understand one thing, that this is a very important discipline. Any kind of truth, any kind of revelation that we hear, we must clothe it in a discipline. What is a discipline? A discipline is a science that is necessary to learn from. It's necessary to look upon it, uh, to be transformed into it. The truth which we must consistently look upon, it's like a model. When you look, when this truth is spoken, it is given to us in an intact format, in a pure pure format. That's why we must always listen to it, look upon it. That's why I really liked when Pastor had said that we understand that which is often repeated in our listening and in our proclamations of the word that we hear. This is very important. Therefore, in this moment, uh, we are repeating the prepared notes. I am just reading this prepared these prepared notes, but this material was already spoken to us and told to us. And this, w repeating it, we will then ponder upon it and this is very important and in this manner we are going to be transformed into this image but uh, by virtue of this it was necessary for us to study how or in what conditions god can be our fortress so that we can know god as our fortress and be fertilized by the seed of the kingdom of heaven in our spirit in order to grow it into the tree of life so growing this tree of life is called to become in our heart the power of life. So when we grow, because a meek tongue is the tree of life, and therefore we bridle ourselves with this truth that is in our heart. Thus the verb draw near to God as to our fortress contains the abilities that give a person the ability to be fertilized by the seed of the promise so it is in the name of god fortress in this portion we have the ability and the right to be fertilized by the seed of the word to be fertilized by god we receive this in the format of a pro promise which gives us the basis to enter into battle over our body in order to destroy the power of death in our body and with a sound to forever cast the old man out of our body 
whose weapon is the power of death, upon which he trusted in. It is through the fruit, not through the seed. It is only through the fruit that, as Pastor has spoken, we will grow. God will receive the basis to enter into battle or to step into battle over our earthly bodies. Our vessel, as the five virtues, must be filled. As we had talked about, all truths, they are given to us in the seed. And when we place or rely on the seed, we must grow it in the full measure of the stature of Christ. There must be the fullness. And when we come to the fullness, a burning lamp must always be burning. Or when we come into the full measure of the stature of Christ, this is the perfect wall. We are given the fivefold ministry for this that helps us to grow this and to have a vessel, a full vessel, in order to meet our groom. Let us take a look. In Hebrew, the phrase, draw near to God, what it means, Pastor had provided these eight definitions. These are eight disciplines. We must dwell in them. We d didn't just read, and it's good for us to look into it because this was spoken in a multitude of sermons. There was a lot of time that was spent and given to this. To draw near to God is first to approach the altar. And when Pastor had said this, to approach the altar, I automatically had a question, well, how do we approach the altar? To draw near to God or to approach the altar? And what a question, it was a question for me, one and the other, to approach the altar. It is necessary, as we hear here on Fridays, we, we must build ourselves, build in ourselves this altar. And we hear about how to build our, in ourselves this altar, how David had built it. At the beginning of Genesis, we look at Adam, Abel, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Elijah, Enoch, Gideon, how it was built by apostles who built themselves into a spiritual dwelling and a holy place. When we build an altar in ourselves, we do so for one purpose, to offer God a sacrifice of praise, so that this praise could be befitting, so that it could come from a just heart, so that this heart can be filled as we hear today. It could be filled with the fear of the Lord, and this is very important. In this manner, a person can come and approach the altar. He must first build himself into an altar, and then he must offer a sacrifice of praise. So to draw near to God is to proceed to the knowledge of God. I think here we understand because whenever we hear about the knowledge of God, we talk about the marital uh, contract between God and man, a contract, a union. This is to cling to God, to cling to His commandments. There's a lot that we could, uh, we could study about here, and we do study it. To draw near to God is to enter the sanctuary of God. It is necessary as we hear to grow in ourselves the dignity of a king, priest, and prophet. And we know who kings, priests, and prophets are because in the sanctuary, an ordinary person couldn't enter. It was necessary to have these high dignities. Uh, to draw near to God is to draw closer to God. And as we know, who himself will be able to draw near to God? No one. Only in Christ, only with Christ, and only through Christ. But how? 
how through Christ and in Christ and with Christ can we draw near to Him? Because Christ is in heaven. But we know that He is the head. He has on earth His body. And the body represents Him. We must find a kind of church that represents a virtuous wife or an image of narrow gates where man enters and only thinks through to this kind of church of the chosen remnant of God, we are able to draw near to God. To draw near to God is to resort to the help of God. Uh, a fresh idea that we had heard about who can draw near to God. They are These are those with a just heart, a person that has a just heart. David had a just heart. And he had spoken about this, my shield is in God, those who save those that are upright in heart. Thanks to this shield, because the shield is our faith, would we are able to protect ourselves with the word. And a, a just heart has the presence of the fear of the Lord when it is filled with the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord, as we know, this is the wisdom of God that expresses itself in the powers of the teaching, the reigning teaching. And when a person has this fear of the Lord, and this fear of the Lord is necessary to be learned, and Pastor had provided an example. Remember the king, um, the king Uzziah, that during the times of the prophet Zechariah, who had taught him the fear of the Lord, it's written about how in those times, when he had submitted, when he had listened to the to that prophet, that when he drew near to God, God was haste to him and all. He had helped him and all. God had helped him and all. But when he became strong, his heart grew prideful and he be began to be a criminal in the eyes of God. And God could no longer help him. That's why Pastor said that those people who do not grow in themselves this fear of the Lord, sooner or later, they are going to uh, reject the truth. They are going to leave this church and churches like this, the true church, I mean. It's very important in order to draw near to the help of God, to have a just heart that is filled with the fear of the Lord. And this means to have a person who is going to teach you the fear of the Lord. To draw near to God is to find yourself in the fortress of God. This is that which we are studying. This is to be fertilized by the seed of the kingdom of heaven. If our heart is going to be his fortress, then we are going to be able to receive this seed regarding the promise. And we will be able to cultivate fruit to offer God. And you see that all of this is a discipline. All of this is necessary to dwell in, to uh, ponder upon. And it's interesting that Pastor further says, the atmosphere for the fortress of God is called to be the good soil of our heart that is capable of accepting in itself the seed of the preached word of the word of God and to produce fruit that coincides to the seed that we have accepted. It is from our decision and from our subsequent decisions and actions will depend if God will become our fortress or on the contrary will he turn into our avenger and our enemy one of the signs that our heart is a fortress for god we had studied a lot of different signs that we are found in the fortress of god and this particular one will be the ability to give god the basis to place us in christ we were offered uh, eight signs 
but we will take a look at one of the signs i am just holding on to uh, this idea based on our main calling to set aside our old way of life to renew our thinking and to be clothed into the new man to be clothed into the new man is possible only when we dwell in christ and christ will dwell in us this is one of the uh, one of the conditions Jeremiah chapter 30 verses 21 through 22 their nobles shall be from among them and their governors shall come from their midst then I will cause him to draw near and he shall approach me for who is this who pledged his heart to approach me says the Lord you shall be my people and I will be your God we know that if we accept the noble then through him we are able to draw near to God, the leader or the noble of our salvation, Jesus Christ. And we know that he in this moment is sitting in heaven on the throne with the heavenly father. But leaving this earth, he had delegated and he had sent apostles and he had passed along this mandate of apostleship to them. As we heard, he gave, gave this mandate to the apostles and he said, As the Father had sent me, so I send you. To whom you forgive their sins, to them they shall be forgiven, and on whom uh, they are left, they shall be left. I want to once again remind us that this is the sermon where pastor, this pastor that had spoken, it's very important. And I think it is well known to you. It is one of those that must be in our heart through being taught within our mind, through the understanding and in our pure, bridled, meek lips through our proclamations. And again, also a very important quality is the quality of patience, the quality of being able to wait for or being able to trust that is necessary to have because when we hear any kind of truth or when we receive some kind of revelation it is necessary to wait for it the biggest uh, mistake of many among many Christians this is what pastor had said is lacking uh, lacking patience uh, this might be a, a fateful mistake to many when they don't have enough trust. Why? What is trust? We know that trust is the fruit that is necessary to grow and it comes from something. Trust comes from the root of hope. And it is from this fruit that we must build the great building upon our hope. What is hope? Hope is that treasure of those sworn promises of God which God has placed on our accounts in Christ Jesus. And now, who is able to pass along this hope for us? Of course, hope can be given to us by the one who is able to teach us through being taught. Daniel had presented this uh, Sunday sermon. Pastor had said this not too long ago. It is also very fresh to us. When he had said, how must we be taught to praise God? Praise, for example. And in order to receive this kind of hope upon which will be built out of trust, this great building, we are talking about ourselves right now. We need to, through being taught, 
accept the teacher and to pay the price for discipleship, to pay a price, of course, and to be a disciple and for the discipleship itself. And through understanding, then, when we begin to ponder, we begin to look into, when we begin to read, once again, re-listen, uh, we are given understanding. Right now, we are also able to... Um, this is a topic that is familiar to us, and we can right now be given understanding, having remembered these thoughts, these truths. This we do in our cell groups, in our fellowship with one another. Therefore, when a person gains this kind of trust, it is... Uh, it can't be lost. He should not lose this patience, this quality, so that he does not lose it, so that he does not throw, he does not drop his hands. I took from uh, a paragraph from a sermon that, from not too long ago, that uh, brought me to my senses. Sometimes I think, okay, I am going to to apply this paragraph to myself through every sermon. For several sermons, I take this and I add it and I write it and I will read it. Pastor has said this to us and I know that many uh, pay attention very closely to these. We need to not lose vigilance, not for a single minute, until the power of death giving power to the old man will be with the noise cast out from our body into the underworld and on its place will be resurrected the power or on its place will be erected the power of eternal life usually these kinds of things are spoken during times of war do not lose vigilance they say what is vigilance vigilance is uh, being when a person is watchful and if we take this then Jesus always spoke about this he always talked about being vigilant in all time and pray so that you may uh, the anger that is coming upon the universe so that you may uh, you may run from it. All evangelists had wrote, Apostle Paul, Apostle Peter had wrote about this, be vigilant for the devil walks around like a roaring lion, searching for whom to swallow. This is that vigilance in which a person must be watchful so that the old man does not take over the wheels, that we do not begin to speak uh, that which we don't need to say, to not look at that which we ought not to look at. We must have the state of vigilance. And Pastor, when he wrote this, he, when he usually says this, or when he writes this, when he speaks some kind of revelation, he is based on the whole spirit of Scripture. He is filled with such wisdom that he sees this uh, spirit of Scripture and from many places of Scripture, and we can see this throughout. Therefore, automatically, Without our partaking in our agreement in which we are called to fulfill specific requirements, we cannot accept Christ in our heart nor uh, be placed in Christ in whom God becomes our fortress. So we need our participation, our cooperation, collaboration. All right, now Pastor has presented to us 12 components of dwelling in Christ. I know there were more, there were 15, because it was uh, said, repeated a few times, but last time, right now I want to very quickly repeat this first component, and then we will move on to the others, move on to the other components of us dwelling in Christ, in whom God becomes our fortress. This should be defined by the presence of the signs of a new creation in us. 
that if there are signs of a new creation in us, this tells us that we dwell in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Of course, it is very important to know and to define in ourselves the signs of a new creation. Sometimes a person says, well, I don't remember what pastor had said about this. I don't remember, and because I don't remember, I'm not going to talk it about because this is going to be an idle word. You know, I asked pastor, is this an idle word when you are speaking, Lord, you are my strength, but you don't remember what is contained in this name, uh, strength. This was four years ago when pastor had spoken about it. You say, Lord, you are my rock, but you don't remember what is contained in this name. Some remember, some can say something about it. Is this an idle or vain word? Pastor said, of course not. For these people it is no. For those who have accepted through being taught and they accept the teacher, the instructor, when they listen and when they hear some kind of truth and we don't have any kind of resistance when we accept it or when we repeat some kind of truth and you say, oh, I remembered it. This says that you have it. It is found in your spirit and it is impossible for the memory to have a whole collection of such grandeur information this is this is um, a magnitude of information it's it's impossible to hold it in in the mind therefore when we hear it we gladly joyfully accept it and we place it in our heart just like in a computer we place it when you need to find something you're able to find it the holy spirit will reveal in the necessary time the most important is if you have an opportunity then of course take it look at it read it reread it search for it go back but those people who do not acknowledge who do not accept they have no order of god they have no instructor they have no teacher they don't want to pay the price for discipleship but they take this place of scripture and they say i am in christ i am a new creation well for these kind of people these are idle words they don't understand them they don't comprehend them they are not found in the order of god but for us this this is a comfort because I also, I don't remember. Oftentimes I need to remember when, when someone says, well, I remember this, but sometimes I don't remember all, all the time. Sometimes this seems very new to me, although we had heard about it um, numerous times. But I just want to remember very quickly what a new creation is in Christ Jesus and the sign in Christ Jesus of our dwelling in Christ. Because the most important is that a new creation in Christ Jesus it is capable of continually be renewing continually be perfected continually becomes new and newer when we view when we exam we examine uh, and look at not upon the visible but the invisible if a person does not look at these invisible promises that God has placed in his heart and upon his collaboration he will fulfill then he cannot be renewed and be perfected we can be renewed and perfected if we look upon the invisible promises that are placed on our accounts through instruction and faith this place of scripture that i speak of every day because it is truly comforting you can say that all places of scripture they comfort even when they bring you to some kind of state of of correction and this is also comforting second corinthians chapter 4 verses 16 through 18 
Apostle Paul writes, Therefore we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So if a person looks upon the invisible, if he looks at Abraham had looked at and called the inexistent as inexistent, if he looked as Moses did, who looked upon the reward, this means that he is a new creation. He is continually being renewed and being perfected. Therefore, even if, you know, sometimes a person inside, uh, he sometimes in his body, he has some kind of a strong uh, ailments. He looks at that information that he has received from God and thanks to this information, he, he thinks that perhaps right now we have some kind of uh, rumors right now, news, and many for many people this scares them, many not. Many begin to look at this and say, well, Christ had said, lift up your heads for the day of your deliverance has come, and they begin to uh, comfort themselves with the word. They, based on the word, look upon and see a different beauty in all that is occurring. And I once again, I have added a few here, or rather I left. Given that this first point we studied not long ago, I left only a few phrases that we had already talked about. Looking upon the eternal glory of the invisible image of the heavenly body will transform our terrestrial bodies into imperishability under the condition that the eyes of our heart will contemplate this glory in the precious promises that make us partakers of a divine essence. A beautiful, rich phrase that was impossible to take away, remove. This talks about what we must look upon. What is the invisible? The invisible pastor had passed along. This is the eternal glory of God. This is the invisible image of our heavenly body. For God, this is the glory. For God, this is glory. The invisible image of our heavenly body is His glory. Apostle Paul says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And we know well that a mirror is the word of God, and an unveiled face are the doors of a heart that is opened and prepared to hear and contemplate the word of God. When a person is ready to hear the word of God and is able to contemplate this word, to see our reflection in the mirror of the preached word and be transformed into this reflection, to see our new man in this image and again to be transformed into this it is necessary to have a heart that is cleansed from dead works and where the precious promises of glory are engraved and we together are servants of the new testament not the letter but the spirit because the letter kills but the spirit gives life therefore that veil that was in the times of the Old Testament when Moses Moses had came out and passed along the revelation we have taken off this veil and in order to take off the veil from our heart and to remove it and to place the promise in it this is simply impossible this veil must be placed somewhere and then the promise 
the promise, these, this glory will be placed in our hearts. We need to acknowledge the person who is going to pass, pass along these promises to us. Therefore, this veil is going to be placed upon our head in order to acknowledge the person whom God will use to pass along these promises to us, to unseal them in our heart. And we, on our end, what do we need to do? We need to warm them. We need to look upon them. Just as the Shunammite woman had done, if you remember, she had warmed with the word that promise that was in the death of the Lord. We are talking right now figuratively. She did this through Elisha, the prophet Elisha. And this was the first component, and we had went over it. This was not too long ago, therefore, let us take a look at the second component. I had remembered Pastor talking about a new creation. This Sunday, he had said that in this world, there is nothing perfect. There's absolutely nothing perfect. Everything is subjective. And besides what? And besides the word of the love of God agape that dwells in us, therefore, when we dwell in Christ Jesus, we are the new creation. And the new creation, how is it perfect? When we continually become new, there is nothing new in this world. Whatever you might purchase, it is already old. You said, I've brought a new car, but it is no longer new. It can't be newer. It's going to grow older, older, and older. Whatever you may purchase, there is no such a thing on earth here. But in Christ Jesus, the new creation, it is capable of continually becoming newer and newer and being perfected, being renewed for that very reason so that we can look upon the invisible promises, that which we are hearing today. This is so wonderful and great that we have this. Let us take a look at the second component of our dwelling in Christ in whom God becomes our fortress. This should be defined by the presence of the characteristics of peace with God in ourselves. So, to be heirs of peace, this is the promise for us as well. God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the world of reconciliation, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. And we know that we receive peace with the Heavenly Father only in Christ Jesus, only through Christ and with Christ. And of course, here we are talking about the category of those people whose God in Christ has reconciled. I have heard people say, God loves the whole world. He has reconciled the world to Himself and they uh, don't understand what it is in Christ. But God did not reconcile them. We're not talking about the whole world. We are talking about that world or about those who have accepted Christ and have placed themselves in Christ. Just like Pastor had passed it along to us. We should note that God does not impute our trespasses to us and has recon reconciled us only when we, through our cooperation with the truth of the reigning teaching of Christ and the Holy Spirit who reveals the truth in our heart, place ourselves in Christ. Well, how can we place ourselves any other way without the truth that is going to be open to us through the reigning teaching and through the Holy Spirit who will uncover this teaching to us? If a person resists the requirements of three immutable conditions, these three conditions, the cleansing, cleansing of our conscience from dead works, the sealing, the reigning teaching of Christ in our heart, 
and accepting the Holy Spirit in our heart as Lord and ruler of our life, he can never place himself in Christ Jesus if he resists these three things. This kind of a person is the enemy to God. And therefore, this kind of person cannot have true peace with God because God does not impute our trespasses. Only when we, upon fulfilling the requirements established by God, allowed Him to place us in Christ. Justification accepted by us as a gift of grace at the moment of our repentance in the format of a deposit will never be ours if we do not place the deposit of justification into circulation the seed of justification into circulation so that we can obtain the abundance of the fruit of righteousness. Romans 5.21 So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. A very interesting place of scripture. And not long ago, I was astonished by that truth that Pastor had shared, I think you remember it, regarding Noah, regarding his just and righteous heart, how grace had reigned in him through righteousness. This concept of truth Pastor had shown so phenomenally that it's impossible to uncover right now, but very quickly if we talk about it, that Noah had condemned the world in himself and was made just and upright according to his faith. If we continue on, God found his comfort in Noah because he had no holes for foxes. He was not based on his own kind of prophecies. He was not based on his own thoughts, on his own understanding, how to build the ark, what kind of material to use. He had a pure heart that was prepared where God could then incline his head and be comforted. It's written that he had condemned the whole world and he was made righteous according to faith. He, from hearing the word of God, accepted the word. And what did he do? He gave birth to three sons. And the most important, when grace reigns through righteousness, what did, what kind of righteousness is it that he brought? It is when our Japheth, our renewed thinking, dwells in the tents of Shem, where there is this collaboration. And when thanks to this collaboration, what's interesting, thanks to the collaboration, then our renewed thinking begins to rule and reign over the emotional sphere, over the uh, the voluntary sphere. It begins to save Canaan because Noah, as we know, did not curse Ham because Ham is the image of our body. He accepted this promise in his body because Ham, if you remember, he means hot, scorching. He accepted this promise in his heart for his body the promise of the adoption of the body, he began to be alive to God and to dead to sin. So when we have this collaboration of our renewed thinking with the mind of Christ, only then will we be able to take rulership over our whole essence. This is righteousness. And then God gives His grace. Uh, This was done by many uh, wives Many men, we see this in David and Abraham and Joseph and Mary, the mother of Jesus, who had gained grace because uh, she knew this whole truth. And all of her three spheres she brought to an order. 
there is a lot that we can talk about there. I just really liked this thought and this idea when Pastor had said that behind Japheth are all the heads because he's in the tents of Shem. And I always thought, why must he share his tent with his older brother? And then I just now understood and realized that he didn't have his own opinion. He had to listen to his spirit and listen to our renewed mind must submit to the mind of Christ, which is in our spirit. And I thought, well, he must have his own tent. He has his own wives. He has his own children. But here it ends up that Shem has this and Japheth doesn't. And Japheth had to share, share his place of dwelling and his location with Shem. This is a unique truth because it is specifically in our spirit that we place the bread. So every time we come, we hear the truth. We lay the breads there. And these truths that lay there on the golden table are not understanding to us, but we must ponder upon it. Everything happens through our Japheth, through our mind. And when it is placed on this table, on this heart, Japheth wants to understand. And Shem gives to him. Shem is the glory of God that is found there. And the glory of God and the dignity of Christ living in our body. And what's interesting that when he begins to be immersed there and he begins to ponder upon it, these truths are revealed to us. There's a lot of notes uh, that we need here uh, to ponder upon it once again and with each and every time I once again are, am astonished by all of those truths that we hear. All right. For justification accepted through grace to be affirmed and for it to reign in our heart through righteousness, it is necessary to die to our nation. So this is affirmation that happens here. When we die to our nation, the house of our Father, and the corrupt desires of our soul, which we have clothed as good works that come from the flesh. So practically here we know that all of the religious Christianity, they're involved with this. They try to hide themselves with this or cover themselves. For the promise that he would be the heir of peace was to Abraham, was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. He had also accepted this, and he was also made an heir and, re and righteous from faith, from hearing the word. He also did not have his own opinion. God had was comforted in these kind of men. He had swelled a, smelled a sweet-smelling aroma because their hearts were ready to become a fortress. And it was pleasing to God. It was pleasing to Him. This kind of sacrifice, when it comes from our upright heart, therefore, if we have placed ourselves in Christ and we dwell in Christ, this means that God has reconciled us to Himself. And again, when we place ourselves in Christ, immediately when we place ourselves, we place ourselves in Christ in the seed. When we dwell in Christ, this seed must be produced into fruit. We must grow it. We place it in the seed and dwell we dwell already when we begin to grow the fruit we are given a certain time and a measure of time and therefore dwelling in christ we have peace with god we had studied who we are in christ jesus we are a new creation and we in christ jesus have peace with god in christ jesus the third component our dwelling in christ through in whom and through whom God becomes our fortress should be defined by the presence of a good conscience in us. Apostle Peter, in the first Peter chapter 3, verse 16, writes, Having a good conscience that 
when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. pastor had commented that the verb have is a commandment since it is taken from military lexicon if we do not have a good conscience in which there must be two great witnesses that stand before the god of all the earth in the dignity of the truth in our heart and the holy spirit who reveals this truth in our heart we cannot place ourselves in christ jesus and consequently, we cannot be a light to the world in order to show those that surround us our good dwelling in Christ Jesus. And if we will call ourselves believers in Christ and we are reproached, Pastor writes, and he says this because many, uh, many behave in this way. If we call ourselves believers in Christ and we are reproached, First Peter chapter 4 verses 12 through 16 Apostle Peter writes Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings that when His glory is revealed you may also be glad with exceeding joy Here the partaking in the sufferings of Christ is not a result of sin but the result of our dedication that when his glory is revealed you may also be glad with exceeding joy if you are reproached for the name of Christ blessed are you for the spirit of the glory and the God rests upon you on their part he is blasphemed but on your part he is glorified but let none of you suffer as a murderer a thief an evildoer or as a busybody in other people's matters yet if anyone suffers as a Christian let him not be ashamed but let him glorify God in this manner with regard to this, I would like to remember with regard to that dwelling in Christ, we have a good conscience. Um, not long ago, a pastor had mentioned this thought. When I say not long ago, this was in 2019. And I know not because this was two days ago, but 2019 was not that long ago. Therefore, he has said this thought that was very important. He said that uh, until to today, it's very difficult to find people who have in themselves a good conscience, that even understands what a good conscience is. It's a good heart. And we are not talking about the world right now, because, you know, that um, evil philanthropy, uh, good, so-called good, in the world there doesn't exist what is a good conscience. All moral values are lost. The most unfortunate and terrifying is that saints also, a multitude of saints, he says, they don't have a good understanding. They are unaware about what a good conscience is, what it is tied to. And here in that moment he had shown, at that moment he had shown, and we had written this, sometimes we are reminded this of this in our cell group services in order to remember this. He said, only those saints who have in themselves the first fruits of the Spirit, they have a good conscience. Those saints that follow the person of God whom God has established, they have a good conscience. Why? Because in them is they are these first fruits of the Spirit. Uh, we will go through them very quickly. Look at these criteria. 
Apostle Paul wrote Romans 8, chapter 23 and 25. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance or with patience. So firstly, I will talk about how few children of God today know about this promise of the, of the adoption of the bodies. Only those that have a good conscience in which there is the first fruit of the Spirit know of this. We have already heard about this, but let us take a look. In order to have in our good conscience the first fruit of the Spirit, there are six criteria. He said, this is the creed of our prayer. Therefore, this is written, this has remained for us. When there is the foundation of our life or our sacrifice, a person must know this. This is our prayer. And this is very important. Let's look at these six components. And they are in sequence. Uh, they are in sequence. Sometimes pastor says, you can, um, there, there is no sequence, but there is a sequence to this. First, it is necessary to accept Jesus Christ in our heart, in the face of a person sent by God, having the dignity, the powers of the fatherhood of God, who is a carrier of the seed of every promise of God. This is one of the most important, significant, and foundational signs. It's very important. If we don't have this first sign, and you will say, well, I have the second one, the third one, I will go without this first one, you won't be able to cleanse your conscience, you won't be able to accept the Holy Spirit, you won't be able to say that you have the teaching, that you are filled with the knowledge of the teaching, it won't work in you. It is so important to accept Christ in your heart through the person who has the powers of the fatherhood. And what's interesting is that he is the carrier of the seed of every promise of God. Secondly, it is necessary, again, through instruction in faith, to cleanse our heart from dead works, to cleanse our heart, our conscience, from all idols, from every sin, or as we talked about, to circumcise our heart. What does it mean to circumcise our heart? This means to die, to die to our nation, the house of our Father, and to all of our corrupt desires. When we say it's necessary to circumcise the foreskin of the heart, for what goal? So that a person could not be stiff, because a st stiff people with an uncircumcised heart, they always resist the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who represents a person, the man of God who represents this order of God. Therefore, we need to, through instruction and faith, cleanse our hearts from dead works. Thirdly, we need to place into our pure heart the fullness of the teaching of the Kingdom of Heaven through instruction and faith. So, after we have uh, circumcised our heart, God will make us capable so that we can carry in it, as we, as we had mentioned, to carry in it the fear of the Lord, because the fear of the Lord is the wisdom of God that is founded and that is contained in the reigning teaching. And this is going to give us the ability through instruction and faith to, uh, to carry it in there. Therefore, Pastor reminds us that it's necessary to pray so that God can send 
an instructor, a teacher, to teach us along the way, to show us how to walk before God. And we have this. We, according to the mercy of God, have this good and ancient path of goodness, and we are walking along it. Fourthly, it is necessary to accept the Holy Spirit as the Lord and the ruler of our life. Fifth, to proclaim the faith of our hearts through the staff of our meek lips, or through the rod of our meek lips. And sixthly, to await in patience the adoption of our body. As I had mentioned, Pastor said this is the foundation. That's why it's important to know it, to remember it. Uh, to know it, um, you can't exchange this sequence. You can't change this sequence. You need to understand that this is a kind of a sacrifice. If we have these divine criteria, then we can place ourselves in Christ and have a pure conscience only uh, dwelling in Christ, we can have this pure conscience. Fourth component of our dwelling in Christ, in whom God becomes our fortress, should be defined by the presence of the signs of eternal glory in us, in, in the clothing of ourselves, in the clothing of ourselves and the signs of glory. I really liked this particular component because for me to understand it, I don't know how many times I had to read it, to listen to it, to see the riches of the sequence found in it. And you are going to be in astonishment right now, the beauty that is contained in this. Let us take a look. Clothing of ourselves in the signs of this glory. First Peter chapter 5, verse 10. But may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Of course, we see that glory is found in Christ Jesus, and if we are found there, then this means that we are being clothed in the eternal glory. It is not abstract. Glory is not abstract. Glory is Christ himself. The reason for short-term sufferings allowed by God in the limits of our eternal glory to which God calls us is that we could be brought to perfection in Christ Jesus, affirmed in His Word, and be strengthened and made unshakable. Despite the fact that we have been found in this glory, the short-term sufferings, they don't go anywhere. They remain. You have ended up in this glory, but sufferings remain. You continue to remain in this and you can't understand why, what is happening. Scripture says so that, your, so that you may be made unshakable. Pastor says you must simply endure it. Sometimes you say this to a person. Pastor said to endure this. How? Well, how can I endure this? This is way beyond my capabilities. I won't be able to endure this. But in Christ Jesus, we will be able to endure this. And take a look. What's interesting uh, the kind of sequence that we will see here. Very interesting. The eternal glory of God that we are called to enter in is the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who is revealed to us as the Word that brings life to the visible universe created by God for man. Here, Pastor interprets it very uh, interestingly. Have, dwelling in Christ we have eternal glory. Now this eternal glory he shows is the Son of God, Jesus Christ. 
But this Son of God, Jesus Christ, is revealed to us in the initial primary word, and that's not all. It will take a look where it will uh, where it will lead to. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. John chapter 8, verses 31 through 32. So be freed from sin. Uh, Pilate couldn't wait for an answer about what truth is, but we know what truth is and how to acknowledge it. We can acknowledge the truth only one way. When we pay the price for the right to become a disciple of Christ, it is comprised of living in the Word and living according to the Word of the person who contains the powers of the Fatherhood of God, who is a carrier of the seed of every promise of God presented in the living Word of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. All the promises of God in Him are yes and in Him, amen, to the glory of God through us, through apostles. We uh, know what the glory is. Dwelling in Christ, we have eternal glory. Glory is Christ. But He is revealed to us in the initial word of God. Let us take a look how to dwell in this word, in this initial word how to dwell in Christ, and furthermore, uh, this will tell us of the signs of the whole glory. Then we will take a look at where it will uh, where it will pour out. And let's take a look at the signs of glory to dwell in the Word. It means to live in the Word, live by the Word, wait for the execution of the Word, to stay within the expected Word, to look at the Word, obey the Word, listen to the Word, practice the word trust in the word rely on the word protect yourself with the word take refuge in the word sing of the word and be victorious with the word i think there would be more a pastor could have written more showing this And this could be done uh, by the disciples of Christ who live according to the word. And the word of the person who has the powers of the fatherhood of God, as we had read. You know, if today the dead Christianity tries to consider and they try to say that there is no apostles today, well, forgive me, uh, they say we, uh, they have died. For them, they truly have died. You know why? Because then there is no promise for them. Then they will all perish because not one promise uh, is possible because salvation is a great promise to be saved. But if they say there's no apostles, this means that for them, there is no promise. Therefore, to know the truth means to enter into the eternal glory of God, which is the chosen remnant of God. Take a look now where this goes into, to enter into the eternal word of God, which is a chosen remnant of God in the face of Jesus Christ, who belong to a specific congregation. We, right now, we are talking about how dwelling in Christ Jesus, we will have this eternal glory, and the eternal glory is Christ, the Son of God but he is opened, revealed in this official initial word. This word can't be opened just just like that. We need a person of God who is going to be 
uh, who is going to have the powers of the fatherhood of God and who will reveal it to us. And this man of God who reveals it, he must be found in the chosen remnant of God in the church. There is this kind of order that is present, that is unshakable, that can't be violated. It is impossible to destroy this. This is how God has presented it. And when Pastor had said this, I didn't see this right away. I thought, eternal glory, eternal glory. But this sequence, I liked it so much that, yes, this is eternal glory. This is Christ. And this word is given through the man of God. If you are outside of the body, outside of the chosen remnant of God, you can't be partaking to this. All of this is tied together, and therefore we are able to have these eternal glory. Apostle Paul writes in Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 through 17, and I will conclude at this, and we are going to then move to, uh, to pray. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord, and whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Many of you will say, well, on what basis is, does it said teach and give understanding or admonish to one another? Why must we admonish one another? There is a certain order. Take a look. For example, the main person in the church who... Uh, conducts this order and the order in the body on their own someone doesn't have the right to come out and sing doesn't have a right to come out and testify there is a man of God says you will go out and sing in the program you go out and sing and when a person sings then in this moment we are able to uh, sit and be taught through words which a person speaks uh, and sings being taught he's he sings in humility and we sit and listen and accept in humility this is the order this doesn't mean that i'm going to go up and uh, teach and begin we're going to teach one another no the word of christ which is through songs through psalms through uh, spiritual songs through psalms and hymns and so forth if hearing the preached word of god and singing the word of god does not take first place in our heart this means that we are not found in christ and consequently, we are found outside of the limits of the body of Christ in the face of God's chosen remnant and do not have the authority to enter into the fortress of God. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12-13. And I had, um, had, had misunderstood this, and I wanted to ask Pastor, and I asked um, Daniel, how is this during, uh, in my absence, now much more my absence, not only my presence, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation. But Apostle Paul had not yet left. He had given it to the Philippines and he had not yet left. Here is a very interesting talking about that which Daniel had said. He had passed along that word presented. Teach and give understanding. To be taught and to be given understanding. In the presence of 
of Apostle Paul says, in the in my presence, this means that in the pre in his presence he taught, and we were taught. When Apostle teaches in the presence, we are taught in this moment. But when we are left alone, we begin to be given understanding. Now much more my absence, work out your own salvation. You must look into, ponder upon, proclaim, speak before God. It says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. So during the absence, we uh, give understanding to one another or ourselves. In the presence, we are taught. God creates in us both the will and desire according to His good pleasure only when we are obedient to the word of the person person and understand it not quite well because oftentimes I ask who represents for us the fatherhood of God not just in his presence but so more so away from his presence not just in his presence but more so away from his presence when we are going to be given understanding when we ponder upon when we have correct thoughts because it's very important for us to ponder if we are obedient to the preached word of the person who is clothed in the powers of the fatherhood of God not just in his presence but even more so away from his presence when we go when we leave or on Friday pastor says and then we have night prayer then we must uh, it says here even more so begin to be given understanding uh, what he has spoken this means that we are found in the fortress of God and I have one more I had figured a good thing I had enough to do as much as I did I'm very grateful that I am able to hear this word to listen to it and that I have along with you blessed gift to do so uh, the blessed gift uh, the one who interprets to us this word we will pray together and I am grateful that we are being prepared through this word that we hear therefore let us bow our heads as we can and pray Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to you for this privilege and for this right to be found in this holy, blessed place that is filled with your presence, that is filled with your fear, because this fear that today fills this place, it is found in certain saints who have been able, according to your mercy, in cooperation with you and your word, through instruction and faith, to grow it in themselves. We thank you for that great foundation that you have placed in Christ Jesus for us, that we today are able to come with boldness into this sanctuary through your blood, through the blood of Jesus Christ, which you again have revealed to us through your veil, through your flesh. We thank you that we have the great priest over our house. 
Therefore, let us draw near to you with a heart filled with hope, having cleansed our conscience from dead works and having washed our body with pure water, we will hold on to the proclamation without ceasing because faithful is the one who has promised, faithful is our God who continues to interpret to us and to speak and to give us understanding, who teaches us his word. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you are the leader of our salvation. We thank you that you are our commander and the fulfiller of our faith, that you are our intercessor, that you are our redeemer from captivity, from sin, from death, from hell. You have delivered us. We thank you, Lord, that we, each time we come to you, we are able to bow down before you and to thank you that according to your mercy, we are alive, that we are continuing to walk and we're continuing to understand those signs, those times that are occurring today because you have brought us out and has brought us into, you've brought us into the wilderness. We're continuing to be found in this wilderness of sanctification. You have brought us in order to bring us closer to your source, to your lips, in order to show us what must soon be fulfilled and to be prepared. And you today are preparing each person individually. And that calling that you have revealed to us today, we are continuing to attentively listen to it and to uh, attentively accept it. We are given understanding of this and we continually proclaim this, rejoice, speak of this in ourselves. We are joyful that you have shown us how to set aside our former way of life of the old man, how to die to the old man, how to make it so so that our body can become a prison for the old man, so that he can be found in the prison, and so that our body can become free, because we have received this mystery. You have revealed to us that our perishable bodies will become imperishable, and our mortal soul will become immortal. We thank you for that which we are the fact that we are able to renew our thinking through our humility. When our renewed thinking will dwell in the tents of Shem, where we will be able to eat of those breads which you place on our tables, and we will look into this. We will ponder upon it. We thank you that Shem, our spirit, our mind of Christ, will share in the glory with Jephthah, with our renewed thinking, and in this manner, we are able to save our body when we have given all the members of our body as a weapon of righteousness. When our lips that are pure, that are bridled, bridled with meekness, when they proclaim the truth, when we not just proclaim, but we look upon uh, upon that which God looks upon, we listen to what God listens to, we speak what God speaks, we listen with our heart, and our heart begins to understand we thank you that all the members of our body are given as a weapon of righteousness. And we today are being clothed into the new man according to the mercy of God. We thank you that in Christ Jesus, we truly have been made a new creation where we are capable to continually be, be perfected and be renewed in the example of you, an example of the fact that our father Abraham, he also had looked upon the invisible. He looked upon the 
those stars that had shown shown them him the path to the promises of God. And we thank you that we today also are able to call the inexistent as existent. We thank you that we look upon that reward that was at once opened to Moses. We continue to do that. We thank you that we can be a new creation in Christ to be perfected, to look upon that glory that dwells in us. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for that peace that we have with our Heavenly Father because we have accepted this peace in Christ because you have said there is no other name under heaven that we are called to be saved by. This is the only name of Jesus Christ that is the highest for us, the most worthy, and there is no nothing higher than this name because this name is revealed to us in the initial word of God and this initial word of God is open to us through the person whom you have given us whom you give to each of your church churches and we thank you for our apostle for our leader for our angel mediator who is able to reveal to us who is able to unseal for us those promises show us the sign of times that are coming preparing us to meet we thank you that thanks to this we look upon and we are a part of the chosen remnant of god we are found in the body of the living church and this church represents your zion your sanctuary we thank you that this brotherly love grows and we love one another and we are able to forgive one another we are able to stoop down to one another's level we are able to wait for one another coming to supper and understand what this is we are able to discern able to understand how to ponder over your body because it is possible to only those who have correct relations with one another are able to discern and ponder we thank you for that word that you give us that we feed from this and we Thank you that you will give us the word on Friday and on Sunday where we are going to be able in humility to take it and move it through a renewed mind and place it on the golden table so that we can then be given understanding, understanding to feed from it for the goal of filling our vessel because having met, meeting with you, we must meet you with a full vessel of oil so that that seed which we have accepted today so that it can grow into fruit and let us be clothed according to your mercy into the fruit of that promise that you today have revealed to your nation we are grateful to you and we bow down before you our almighty God Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And we will conclude with our unchanging manifestation.
Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.